Hello and welcome to Society Owes Me a Gen X podcast, the 90s podcast where we go A to X through grunge, indie, alt rock, pop, movies, soundtracks, TV and general, general generation Catalano goodness. We are your hosts, Lily. Hello. And me, Hannah. And today we are B for back. With <laughs> <Again>. to B. <laughs> what is it, Lily? Tell us. Well, Hannah, it was the Black Crows when we recorded the first time. It still is the Black Crows today, <laughs> except now you're just that much more knowledgeable. And because we messed it up, uh, or probably me, I think I should probably take the blame for this, um, we're going to make it extra fun by seeing what you remember from the first time. Ooh, well, I remember there was a bit of gin involved, so I don't know. There'll be more today. <laughs> Definitely. So we've decided to tackle um, the Black Crow's debut album, Shake Your Money Maker, that came out in, what year was it again? Mm, no, failed. Failed at number one. All right, take a guess. 92. 1990. Okay. But, you know, pretty close. And I'm sure you'll also recall what uh, illustrious record label they were signed to. Uh, Deaf American. Yes. Points. And uh, who started Deaf America? Um, it's not all going to be like this, I promise. Rick Rubin. <laughs> yes. Um, so we're going to probably, oh, I think the last time we did this, and I don't know if we should just jump out into it. Uh, now, I'm going to start the first track. It's twice as hard. Yeah, good place to start. Thanks. Known as a blues rock, southern rock, strong 70s vibe rock band. Very fond of their 70s bell bottoms and their velvet, and uh, they have that kind of Rod Stewart hair thing happening. A bit like my dad on his wedding day. Really? Yeah, but, well, he didn't look like Rod Stewart, but he did have the sort of, you know, the velvet bell bottoms and the velvet really? suit and uh, long hair. Yeah. Oh my God. I think my dad had like a seersucker, but definitely had some bell bottoms happening there. Nice. Love a bit of 70s, and that's probably why I love the band. So the Black Crows are two brothers. Do you remember their names? Chris and... Uh, uh, Rich? Yes! Yay! Uh, they come all the way from Marietta, Georgia. Uh, the rest of the band are Steve Gorman on drums, Jeff Cease on guitar, but only for this album, and Johnny Cole on bass. Man, we're going to be finished with this in about 10 minutes. <laughs> we probably should have said that this is definitely your choice. And I don't know anything really about Black Crows, apart from everything that you told me last week. Yes. Um, so, yeah, it's an education <laughs> One might say, you know, a fair bit now at this point. And I, I think you've shown you've got some excellent records. I was listening. I'm impressed. Most of the time. <laughs> it's hard, though, when you're putting to sometimes, you know, give it your full attention because you're also chatting and anyway this isn't going to be like a test (laughs) Uh, Twice as Hard video was directed by the manager Pete Angelus who also directed Van Halen's Hot for Teacher video in the 80s they also had to play the track 30 times in the studio to get it just right I would have got that right if you'd asked me how many times they played it that stuck in my head yeah it's a lot excellent um, I also told you that their dad had a hit in 19... Oh, I don't know. 16. 59. Yeah. Nearly. 
and his name was is he may well be with us still I'm not Mr. Robinson. Snap. You got me Stanley. There. Stanley. 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 You are on fire tonight. I was thinking Boris Johnson and this dad's Stanley, isn't he? Is he? I think so. <laughs> Maybe it's not. It begins with X, I think. I could be. Um, do you want to go to that track? Because. Uh, oh, yeah, that was a great track. You, you enjoyed this. This is Stan Robinson's <laughs> offering to the world. Very of its time. <laughs> This 90s folks is Boomer Dipped It. Yeah, it's sounding Who even knows what that is? Boomer Dipped It. It's not a test question, is it? Um, back then, people were always trying to start a new dance. Didn't they? That was like, they were the influencers of their day. Was there a Boomer Dipped It dance then? Well, I should think that that's what you'd be doing listening to this. I mean, you weren't like... I'm going to look it up for you. Do you think you could spin it more? <laughs> Listen to this, you probably could. But I think it was more of that thing where you like you get the kids dancing to your track and then you know you, you're golden. You got a hit track. Yeah, no, I can't find anything. Maybe primitive dance. But diverting as this is, I'm gonna just pause Mr. Stanley Robinson there. Um because I did forget to tell you, I think I forgot to tell you this one particular fact which I was really excited about when I found out which was that um, when uh, the guys were young, they really wanted to get into gigs and it wasn't going to happen. So somehow they managed to get some fake IDs and they headed into Atlanta. And uh, did I tell you this? Uh, no, they didn't. But I can relate to the fake IDs, not in Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. Let's <laughs> bring back memories. Uh, oh, God, I had the worst <laughs> one that I'd actually borrowed from my friends. It wasn't even my picture. It didn't look anything like me. And it was such a, like, an obvious picture of someone like on holiday on the beach. You know, it wasn't even an NUS. It was so sad. <laughs> it was the fakest thing ever. But I think I was probably too scared to even actually use it. I had some very tall friends who were happy to go into the bar with a tray <laughs> and bring the tequila slammers out for us. What such did, a bad idea. What did the Robinson brothers do then? Were theirs, were theirs convincing? Well, they must have been because they got in. First gig was the replacements. Oh, wow. Which they were like the biggest fans of. So basically when they recorded this album, they would have said, you know, definitely 70s rock, but like the replacements were the shit for them. They were just completely obsessed with them. And they got into this gig and they're like, not only, I mean, can you imagine that when you're 14 as well, like going to see your favorite band? And they got there and there's like R.E.M. at the side. And they were, they're huge R.E.M. fans as well, oh, which I thought you would enjoy. I do appreciate that. Yeah. And I can't even believe I forgot to tell you the last time. So, yay. Excellent. Yay. Well done. Tick for the <laughs> R.E.M. link in there already. A couple of exactly. minutes in. Um, and, yeah. So, I thought nice. that was cool. Right. We're going to move on to the first single uh, taken from the album. This is called Jealous Again. And this is definitely one of my favorites. So first time round, I told you that they were called something else. Oh, a Mr. Crow's Garden. Yes. Excellent. Gold star. Um, it was apparently Richard's favourite children's fairy tale, written by Leonard Leslie Brooke, a gentleman from somewhere in the UK. Yes. Uh, can't remember where. Birkenhead. Oh, 
course, Merseyside. He was also deaf, incidentally. So even if he'd been around, which I think he died in like 1950 or something, he would never have been able to enjoy Mr. Crow's Garden. But uh, anyway, it wasn't really doing it for um, for Rick, Rick Rubin. And he was keen for them to change their name. <laughs> I do remember this. <laughs> but actually, I remember the abbreviation. Uh, so, Cobb Co- Co- County Crows, all with Ks. Yeah. <laughs> Bingo. Yeah, bad, bad idea, Ricky. Really not his best plan. Um, apparently the band pointed out what the uh, acronym would be for that, and uh, he was like, yeah, that's not going to be a problem, though, is it? And then they nearly had a fight. Yeah, yeah, I'm not surprised. So they got discovered um, at uh, at their own gig this time in New York by George Draculius, who was uh, what to Rick Rubin? Oh, no, I can't remember. Roommate at NYU. Um, and obviously has a huge interest in music and whatnot, so he... Um, Pretty much took them under his wing, and he um, kind of took 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 a bit of credit for introducing them to certain types of music and uh, other bands that they were subsequently um, compared to. But I'll talk about that a little bit later. So anyway, absolutely fantastic. Well, the next track is uh, this one is Sister Luck. This one's definitely on the B side of the. Uh, the mixtape, the slow down, oh, that one. Okay. the one you put on. No Mick Jagger struts in this one. No. <laughs> yeah, so it's a very weird thing about this album. It, it came out, it was obviously recorded in the late 80s, summer of 89, um, in both Atlanta and LA. But this is so not what was happening in music. It, they, they're not of their time. They're kind of forerunners of, of, of I suppose every decade we kind of go back yeah. 20 years I mean it's definitely there's definitely uh, I, I found out last week that there's some sort of 90s revival happening on every level like I, I've seen the fashion thing that's coming right now yeah yes. yeah but now like teens are like oh actually I'm a 90s revivalist <laughs> they, they have a name oh wow that. yeah that we're 90s revivalists yeah, we're throwbacks now, it's official. <laughs> I saw a meme the other day that made me chuckle. It was like, I'm a 90s kid. Uh, no, you're a 40 year old man. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. That's, it's funny and also brings <laughs> tears to the eye. Yeah. Oh god. Um, but yeah, so early 90s, the Crows are definitely doing that classic shuffle back 50 years and really uh, going for it, um, you know, with the. The whole eyeliner and you know the the scarves tied to the to the mic, yeah. And, you know the kind of the swagger and the strut, as you pointed out, very very Mick Jaggery. Chris is um, very much uh, a believer of that kind of vibe, very very chilled out man, and yeah. you know. They did point out the early uh, the early days; they definitely weren't doing any drugs because they couldn't afford any. But that that did change subsequently. We're not going to delve too far into into their back catalogue though, because they literally came out with an album every two years. So there's just no way I can pack that into one. This is a pretty song though. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Do you know what I think it's growing on you? (laughs) (laughs) Which might be. 
at the end of our last pod. And I was like, I'm really sorry if I sounded negative. I really don't hate them that much. <laughs> I don't hate them at all. I just, they just weren't really on my radar. I knew they existed, but yeah, I just never really bothered too much. I think I said last time as well, I put them in the same category as Primal Scream, um, who again, I put, you know, like you know there's lots of songs of theirs that i like but just never bought any of the albums until years years later i always felt like primal scream was too old for me that's how i feel about the black rose as well though and i think you know but it, now that you say they came out and like this came out in 1990 it makes right. total sense in my case because i was only 10 then i wasn't into music at all well i mean madonna kylie and jason i think my brother was originally the bigger uh, Crows fan in our house. He's the same age as you, but he um, had gotten Southern Harmony, the second album from me, right, and loved it. Probably when he was about thirteen, at that classic age where you get into your stuff and you that find is, that's your the age, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then he subsequently spent his birthday money, Christmas money, whatever, um, trotting off into Brighton to buy his import uh, copy of Shaped and Money Maker. So that's how we got into our house. So credit to my brother, Greg, thanks. Nice one, right? <laughs> um, we're gonna move on to Could I've Been So Blind? So, speaking of their 30 takes um, to get um, twice as hard down, it is, or it was, the 30-year anniversary of Shape the Money Maker last year. They had planned an epic world tour. I didn't actually manage to get tickets the first time around. And I wasn't, you know, I wasn't sure, you know, it was one of those things where you love the album, but you're not quite convinced that you're going to enjoy the whole kind of thing. It had been quite a long time, like the old track I'll listen to, but I hadn't listened to the whole album all the way through. But uh, preparing for this pod, I was like, yes, 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 I'm still here. I definitely want to see this. Um, Every bit as good as they were, so I bit the bullet and I bought some tickets. Nice. And I'll be spending the next couple of months trying to convince you to come with me. I'll happily go, but I don't want them to be wasted on me. I'm sure you'll find something to Who knows, maybe maybe after I've listened to it again. By the end of this one. Is it this year or next year? Yes, it's this year. So because they had to put it off uh, and they were very wise to push it forward. Um, so they're going to be at uh, Brixton the 23rd and 24th. And then they're playing Ma- Ma- uh, Manchester. And what? Which month? This month? October. October. Sorry. Because yeah, we're just getting to that state. Like, we've had so much stuff booked in. The, the the diary for like the back end of this year and the beginning of next year for so long it's just no. felt so so far away and still to be honest like it's not going to happen and we're just getting to that point now where things are about, about to, to kick off for me it's next week I've got my first music festival in so long and I had the best news ever I've got to tell you again I know you know it's already but Victoria's Festival in Portsmouth Richard Ashcroft pulled out who's replacing him None other than Manic Street Preachers. So you can imagine, I'm just beside myself with excitement. And also a bit of terror, because it's the first family festival that I'm dragging the kids along to. Oh, they're really good though, they love music. I know, but like, the acts go on till like 11 or 12. There's loads of stuff on the kids, but it's also, yeah. So I think we're going to have to do a bit of a tag team if they're flagging, which they probably will be. By that time. Well, they're heading out of the house today. My middle one did say, when is it we're seeing your favourite band, Mummy? 
You know your favorite band, how dare you? Why I'm Darren Pearl Jam. Typing out my yeah. email to Eddie right now. Well, Chris really wants to see the streets, but the streets are playing at exactly the same time as the Mannix. Okay, it seems it seems obvious. You take the middle one, he takes the big one and the little one. <laughs> God, I hadn't thought about that. But imagining he's just going to be stuck in the tent. Honestly. You draw straws, right? <laughs> Some no, 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 no. <laughs> the, my manic obsession absolutely trumped his, like, you know, minor fandom of the street. So you've got to take so someone. He can't take three. Well, no, he can stay in the tent with them and put them asleep. <laughs> How's he going to see the streets then? No, 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 no. Right, he's going to might have to sacrifice the streets. We'll see how it goes. Anyway, who would you take? Who would you take? <laughs> Do you have to pick one? Oh. Uh, Who's likely to fall asleep and be no trouble? <laughs> Uh, I'd probably take the middle one actually. Have oh. a good dance. He likes to. He likes to do a bit of a bit of a Nicky Wise strut. <laughs> Rock out. <laughs> That's the Black Crows though. Yes, Black Crows um, are playing the entire Shake Your Money Maker album uh, all the way through in order, and they're not gonna like soup it up or jazz it up or change the kind of vibe as they regularly do usually when they're out on tour, um, or at least they did before they fell out massively, um, which feels like I've already told you this, but of course I haven't, because that was the other pod that was lost to the pods of time. Um, but anyway, they're going to play in California this this weekend, so the 21st and 22nd, mm-hmm. I think, they're in Oakland, I believe. Anyway, I'm not sure if they're sold out, but possibly. Anyway. Let's move on to seeing things. Is there like talking going on in the background? No, <laughs> that's my husband reading the oh. <laughs> I thought it was a bit of a like, you know, Weezer undone type thing, create a party vibe. <laughs> no, we, um, we tried to get started early, but unfortunately that means there are, there are conscious children still in this house we need to tape egg boxes to your tiny room walls <laughs> absolutely we need to up our profesh game one thing i haven't uh, i didn't even say the last time and we talked about it after we finished the pod was you can talk about the lyrics and he's he's incredibly you know enunciating the lyrics um it's 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 just a kind of, I suppose, apart from maybe she talks, um, she talks to angels. But they're just kind of those kind of lyrics that you get in blues songs and, yeah. and soul tracks. And I'm not saying it's generic. I mean, they're, they're, they're great. They're fine. You know, they're not sort of. But it's more about the tunes. But yeah, they're not rhyming love, dove, glove. But it really is more the music, I feel like. Fair it right. is for me anyway. I'm not paying attention to the lyrics here, but it. The, the, the sound and his voice here, mm. not elsewhere, reminds me a lot of Chris Cornell. Really? It's got some vibes. He's a great singer. Obviously, he gets it from Stan. <laughs> Stan the man. Do you think they kind of take the piss out of him and sing Boom and Dip Dip? Too? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, this. Um, this one is um, the one that I couldn't quite put my finger on what it was reminding me of, especially when it kind of 
kicks in and uh, and I had to apply to the husband to listen to it. I was like, what am I thinking? Come on. It, 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 it's taking me back someplace and I can't think of what, what it is. Now I can't remember what you were thinking. And it's, now I remember. Oh, here it is, right now. Oh, um, the Wendy is theme. Yes. Yeah. And as soon as I was like, With a little help from my friends. Yeah. Yes. Joe Cocker's amazing version of a little help from my friends, which I massively prefer to the, the original version, the Beatles version is. Yeah. Is Joe Cocker dead? Oh, I don't know. He might be. My apologies to Mr. Cocker if he isn't. Rest in peace. Is Cocker his real last name? <laughs> I highly doubt it. Well, you know, it must be, because, like, why would you... Mm. No. <laughs> so while you're looking that up, um, so when George Draculius, um, kind of the producer of the album, took sort of credit um, with changing their style from being really a, he felt, a replacements cover band. Do you want to know about Joe Cocker? To, let me just finish this talk, because otherwise I will forget it and never again come back to it. Um, he introduced uh, Chris to The Faces. And um, definitely, if you if you listen to uh, Rod and how he sounds and that kind of gravelly kind of thing, particularly in "Stay with Me," you can definitely see a big influence. Yeah, you can. But according to George, um, they they've never actually listened to any of the Faces music, which is surprising because they're very influenced by a lot of, of British male singers. I don't really see how that could be true. Like they were massive. Surely they are. I think you're telling porcupines. <laughs> anyway, Joe well, Cocker. George said it. <laughs> anyway, I'm, yes. He did sadly pass 2014. He did, yeah. He did. And is Cocker his last name? I don't know why he'd make that name. Yeah, I was thinking. Like, yeah. Smith, but you know what I'm going to go for. Cocker has a good ring to it. John Robert Joe Cocker, OBE. Yeah, it was his name. Oh, the Wonder Years was good, wasn't it? Oh, it really is. Yeah, we should do a dummy for Wonder Years. Yeah. Sorry, was there anything else on the soundtrack apart <laughs> from Joe Cocker? Yeah, because they used to play all kinds of music, didn't they? On the I show. Visit Wonder Years, definitely. I watched this very strange. Well, my husband thought it was really funny. TV show called The, the Grinder. Have you seen this? No. It's got Rob Lowe in it, playing a total absolute idiot. And his brother, and he's like a TV star. He's, yeah, so he's like this completely dramatic, self-obsessed, tone-deaf actor. And his brother is a lawyer who has a wife and two kids and this normal, completely regular life. And then, so his brother kind of has this breakdown, Rob Lowe has this breakdown. And the brother is played by Fred Savage. And he's kind of always mopping up his messes and trying uh-huh. to get him to see the right of things. And he's hates being the kind of boring, ordinary one, but his brother is just a complete idiot. And then he starts showing up at work. And in the TV show he was in, he played a lawyer. Oh, so okay. he thinks he is a lawyer. And all the other lawyers think he's brilliant and want to be around him. And they start sort of playing into it. And it's just... Oh, no, I've not heard of that one. But when you, when you, when you started talking about it, I thought you were going to mention... This other series that Fred Savage was in not that long ago, and I can't remember if it's Friends from College or College Friends or something. Um, but I think there were only two series of it, which I enjoyed, but it, you know, it didn't continue. But it's got an excellent soundtrack, like really, really like every episode, different stuff, but really, really good. 
what where has he been then so he's in a couple of stuff things now yeah like recently and yeah so like savage the years years. Years. exactly yeah in the wilderness i was gonna say yeah when you've been bred <laughs> nice to see you back okay we're the gonna wilderness go years. So much better than the desert years. That's the title of his memoirs. <laughs> check, check if he's yeah, his memoirs. I feel like he probably has. Um, and in the meantime, while you do that, I'm going to play a bit of hard to handle now. Yeah. So, yeah, this one obviously wasn't my radar. You know it, as it must have been everybody in the night. Imagine how good it will be at Brixton when they play it, huh? And has an adorable picture of Fred. Baby Fred! What is he? 10? 11? Oh, he directed a bunch of stuff. Maybe that's what he was doing. He stopped acting and just uh, did a lot of director work. Hannah Montana. He's his brother's family. His brother was really kind of a bit more famous than him for a while when he he was in Boy Meets World. Oh, and hang on, did it? Did he direct Boy Meets World? Yeah, his credits include Boy Meets World. Ah. Yeah. Bro getting him a job. The Princess Bride and his brother. What did he do in The Princess Bride? Oh no, he acted in that. He was an actor. Oh, I don't remember him. So getting back to Hard to Handle for a second, um, it's obviously a cover of Otis Redding's very well-known track. Otis also being from Georgia, specifically Macon, Georgia. Fun fact, sad fact, Hannah. Do you recall what I told you about Otis Redding last time? That he died aged 26. Can't remember how. Plane crash? Yes! Oh, get in! I wonder if you might have some photographic memory here. Uh, but he packed in a lot in those uh, 26 short years. He left school at 15 to sing backup for Little Richard. He got married. Um, not too much. I mean, maybe before 20, I think. Uh, he ended up having four kids. And he recorded Sissing on the Duck of the Bay three short days before the fatal plane crash that took his life, but there were survivors. Oh. And random. Sadly, not Otis Redding. Three days, man. Imagine a world without Sissing on the Duck of the Bay. I know. Um, this track was also covered by The Commitments back in 91. Uh, it's Alan Parker, isn't it? I should know this because I'm a big fan, yes. aren't you? Huge fan. Absolutely massive. I've played that soundtrack today. To the point where my dad was like half happy that I was listening to what he deemed to be like classically excellent music. On the other hand, was like, why are you listening to my music? <laughs> and who is this? Because this isn't, you know, I thought it was fantastic. And he was like, of course, it's shit compared to the original. Come into the dining room, which is where we had the, the record player and the CD player and the tape, the double tape thing. Where yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Are we going to be like that when our kids start listening to singles? <laughs> yeah, I was like, he was like, okay, sit down, sit down. Now you're going to listen to how it's actually supposed to sound. <laughs> but you know when you're like really young and that's the version you know and you haven't heard that other version? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't sound quite right. I mean, I take back everything now. 
he's completely right. Otis Redding's version of pretty much everything. Well, it's like Lemonhead's Amazing Robinson, Robinson, isn't it? You want to listen to that, not the Simon and Garfunkel version. Yeah, but that's, that's still true. No, that's <laughs> still true. I think I, I think I have already told the story of how my son tried to leap out of my uterus when the Lemonheads played oh, Robinson, yeah. and I had to leave the room. He is responsible. I had to leave Concord too because I literally thought he was coming out four months early. <laughs> he did not enjoy the loud sounds. Oh, why doesn't he? Did, why didn't he inherit your impeccable music taste? Well, I'll just say to the little dude, you know. You've seen the Lemonheads, man. Before you were even born, you were there and you hated it. Actually, that's what I should tell the kids when I drag them to the Manics. They were there. I think they were all there. <laughs> In fact, I think every time I was pregnant, They've all I been saw exposed. the Manics. Yeah. Like radioactive material. <laughs> Hush you. <laughs> did, it, did any of them have a particular um, reaction? Because this could be how you choose who to take. Uh, who really uh, worked out with you? Oh, I don't remember. I think it was a bit of kicking. They're all kickers. <laughs> well, yeah. There didn't have to be any noise going on. I think when I was pregnant with my first kid, um, we only saw Beth Rowley, which was still loud because it was in a it was in a um, like a church yeah. in Bath. Was she a fan? Or and we were at the top, so it was she. She was feeling it definitely. I mean, she was definitely moving, but it wasn't the kind of terrified thrashing that I had. With the with the second one, how do you know that he wasn't actually loving it? And it, it was like it was violent. You know, head banging could have been head banging. No, mm. it was lemon heads. No. <laughs> well, you know your kid now. You know he's still not a massive fan yeah. of loud noises. I don't think he's ever going to accompany me to a loud gig. To be yeah. fair, and if he does want to, it'll definitely be at the point where uh, he definitely doesn't want to go anywhere with me. <laughs> maybe <laughs> something really sad. Maybe some of the chilled out black crows numbers. <laughs> Maybe, maybe. Okay, we're going to go to Thick and Thin. Oh, yeah. Was that the sound yes, of Hannah? That was someone repeatedly crashing their car into something. Car I made. Industrial sized dumpster? Right. Yes. It was the drummer, Steve Gorman, who had a what he thought was an old banger and didn't mind sacrificing it in the name of in the name of the art, so they had the sound engineer, who apparently was Brendan O'Brien, ringing over the dumpster with uh, a microphone, risking his life to get that two seconds. A very Brendan thing to do, actually. And Steve also sacrificed his car, so come on. Was it worth it? I mean, it makes a good story. I don't know if I ever particularly noticed it before, which is terrible. It wasn't like, oh, it's that track. It was like, is it? Is it now? I had to go back and listen to it. I was like, oh, yeah, no, that's definitely sound of car crash. <laughs> Wicked. This is great, but I'm going to move on to my favourite because this is the first Black Crow song I ever heard. But where did I hear it? Oh, um, you did tell me. I was paying attention. <laughs> uh, In the meantime, it was the first song you heard. Was it a party? No. No. Pass. This gorgeous intro was written by Rich when he was 15. Impressive. Which is one year after his dad gave him a guitar because Rich wouldn't leave Stan's guitar alone, so he figured the best way was to just get him his own. 
So I saw this on an MTV musical. Ah, okay, yes, he stayed up late to uh, to watch it live. I think what it was, because I couldn't find that they had played in 91. They didn't play in 91, they played in 92 and they played Remedy live, which was amazing, by the way, but um, Remedy is from Southern Harmony, so I'm not talking about that today. Um, they were up for an award and they played, you know, a clip of the track. And I was just like, what is this? This is amazing. And I hope that if I heard more of their stuff, I'd love it. And then probably the next thing I did here was Southern Harmony Musical Companion, and I absolutely did, so. Anyway, it's about a girl that Chris kind of knew back in Atlanta who had addiction issues. Um, there's a, the lyrics are actually gorgeous. Yeah, it's a bit deeper now. It's the very jingly jangly beginning of this uh, track. Um, which admits is he was listening to a lot of Nick Drake at the time. He was a young teenager and that was kind of his his interpretation, his his influence channeling through him that produced it. So I don't think it's a rip-off in any way, shape, or form. You know, it's not like when we covered Elastica, <laughs> which was outrageous. What um, a shame, though, that Nick Drake inspired so many artists and didn't live to see that legacy. It is, it is super tragic. I mean, I know we're, I'm not going to quiz you on this because we're just being... Just being um, but uh, I had always thought that it was fact that he had committed suicide. Um, but it turns out that he had taken an overdose of his antidepressants. So no one knows if he meant to do it or not. But apparently, his, uh, he has a uh, famous surviving sister who's an actress who went to RADA, and I think her name's Gabrielle. Gabrielle Drake, shout out. In fact, I was going to play a teeny tiny bit of Pink Moon, if you want to hear that. Yeah, why not? Speaking of moons, I'm going to sip my Lunar Gin by Hendrix. So I written and I saw it say I feel like back in the 90s, Nick Drake was kind of like, uh, speaking of quizzes, it was kind of like, if you knew who Nick Drake was in the 90s, then you, then you really did love music, you know? And if you didn't, it was like, oh, you're just like a casual fan, are you? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You know those people, everyone knew those people. Yeah. I was so not one of those people, but everyone knew those people where you just, you couldn't even really have a conversation about bands because they were like, oh, that's so generic, they're adorable. You know, but also going like, I'll, <laughs> I'll save my pearls of wisdom. Or they might like 
recommend one album and you would immediately run out and get it because <laughs> they knew everything about music and they were just they were just cool as yeah pretty much and i feel like nick drake was always the name on their lips i mean they're but not really, wrong. they they just read the melody maker with the enemy <laughs> oh oh you were that girl <laughs> oh, no, I wasn't, but i knew someone who yeah was that girl <laughs> and i said i took everything she said it's gospel <laughs> did she like did she like this, this she got me into the cure to be fair oh okay uh elliot smith was another one you know what i mean yeah like elliot smith anyone kind of tragically tragically hip i mean jeff buckley yeah too. i knew i knew several people who were like cool as music wise and um yeah jeff but jeff buckley's one of those people if you know if you had the album they'd be like oh okay 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 yeah. <laughs> oh you you read that melody maker did you <laughs> You got that that pull out <laughs> Maybe to listen to and not sound like a complete wanker. <laughs> All right, we're going on to Strutton Blues. This is so like the music soundtrack. You know what I mean? This is just this is like it. You know, you could just see the start of the movie. Maybe a Cameron Crowe with the yeah, with the exhausted list of the actors before the fucking films even started you know and you can just see the feet and you pan up you can't see the feet because they're covered in bell bottoms <laughs> well i was thinking of a bell bottom though i'm definitely still in the realm of that and then you see him coming up and you can just see other people seeing him but you can't see who it is yet yeah maybe a little bit like a human heel under the bell bottom or something i think i should do, I, I think i need to direct music videos <laughs> i'm only 30 years too late for everything, because it's so over now. Never too late to direct Fanny Lou's <laughs> debut. <laughs> I really wasn't expecting you to say that. Okay, can we do the bell bomb thing? <laughs> and this is going to be our main influence. <laughs> Damn it, we told everyone. Make sure you print this enemy. Um, yeah, so seeing as he's strutting, I mentioned last pod, and if you just if you really haven't understood what I'm banging on about, it's because we had a mini disaster and we're recording again. Um, no surprises, poor old Hannah, because she's heard it all before, literally. But do you remember some of the ladies he's been married to? Kate hey, Hudson. Yeah. And <laughs> uh, can't remember the others. In my notes, I wrote it down wrong, and it came out as. Uh, skate Shudson. <laughs> so I think it's almost a better name. Um, and they have a kid who is nearly 18. But prior to that, he was married to a lady called Lala Slopeman, who is famous for, well, she's a model and an actress, but she's also niece of a famous guy. Matt Pass. Frank Zappa. Oh, of course. Yes, she is Moon Unit's cousin. I was gonna say, I thought all his all his kids were called Moon something. Yeah. Or is it Moon Unit one, two? They all have. It's a bit like George Foreman, who's all his kids were called George, and he had about ten kids. Oh, George. Weasel. Weasel's one. Oh, Moon Unit. I feel like there's one called like Astra or Luna or something. 
None of them are as bad as Elon Musk's though, to be fair. You can't even pronounce. I don't know. Um, which one of no, the other really Jacksons not. is Your Majesty? Because that makes me absolutely how is that? I thought you said Jermaine. Is it Your Majesty? Oh, yes, it's Jermaine. Jermaine, it's Jermaine, right? No, Jermaine's kid is called Your Majesty. Oh, right. I mean, it's better than Blanket. Blanket was actually called Blanket. What is Blanket's name? Uh, Blanket must have had a name rather than Blanket. I think he might be Michael Jackson. Junior. Oh, because Prince is Prince Michael Jackson. Not that I know tons about Michael Jackson. I really don't, but... Anyway, back to Black Rose. All thanks, Upper. Yes. So that was Stratton Blues. That is my... That is my pick for Welcome Home, Fanny Lou. The vibe. (laughs) Oh, first single, The Vibe. And The Vibe is Strut and Blues. Yeah, I'm not sure yet. Yes. Yeah. A montage. And when we go and see them in Brixton. When we go and see Fanny Lou. We are Fanny Lou. We're going to strut about. <laughs> Maybe I'll record it. And we're already in the game. All right. Um, next track is Stare at Cold. So I think something that I felt listening to it sort of front to back again was, and the Rat Crows have said this too, and I, I just agree, um, it really holds up. It's not one of those things where you, you hear it and you're like, oh, it's so 90s. It's really not, it's no, not 90s at all. But you could think, oh, it's so 70s. You could, I mean, that, that's a cool It's not a bad thing. That's at a cool thing. <laughs> I'd be proud. Welcome home, Fanny Lou. Would be proud to build themselves. I mean, a cynic could argue it's a bit derivative, but I'm not a cynic, so I won't. Are they just embracing their influences? I'm just looking at ways to look at things. Yeah. I mean, seriously, if you loved mid-tempo '70s rock, and everyone said, "Wow, this is just like mid-tempo '70s rock," just be over the moon delighted with you. Yeah, uh, you can really, like, here I really hear some faces though, like massively. I just do not believe that they never heard them. Tosh. Yeah. And Tosh, I feel like, tell me. I feel very Paul Rogers, free, bad company. Yeah, that too. He even looks like he has Paul Rogers. You know, um, I don't know if you've seen Free playing the Isle of Wight? I think in probably 68 or 69. Actually, is this the song that I said last time, reminded me of Free? Or was that a bit later? Yes. Actually, it no. was. So it's my turn for a quiz, and yes, you did. <laughs> Quite right. No, I'm hearing it as much this time now. It definitely oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. That's bit, yeah. He's coming back, yeah. Yeah, so in, in summary, the Black Crows seem to really love themselves a 70s British man. <laughs> oh, is that the last track? Yeah. Well, zip through this one. I know time flies and you're having fun. But not. It is nearly exactly the same length of time. You just enjoyed it more. <gasps> just dying to it's like you're right. It's a girl, right? It's a girl, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, as I... Yeah, I'll I do think, I think that too. Never dislike them. I definitely feel like the more I listen to this, the more I like it. I and just I'm listen to be with them a bit more, I think. Sit with them. Yeah. Be with them. <laughs> Love and then them. maybe one day I'll strap with them. Who knows? <laughs> yes, he will. 
Brixton, yeah, October. I might already have so, another gig on there, that's a no. No, you don't, you're fine. <laughs> anyway, you've already taken care of the Mannix for one year. By this, is it this weekend or next? I'll, I'll be seeing them twice this year, thank you very much. I might even go see them in London as well. I've got them in Brighton now. Okay, so no need to throw over the black rose for then. <laughs> Sorted. Madge is safely tucked up in her coffin somewhere. Whoa! Like She's just had her birthday. 62, 63, I think. Happy birthday, Madge. Her Majesty. I just remember she does remind me of Gary Oldman when he's Dracula at the beginning, you know, before he's quite regenerated. <laughs> right, anyway, so you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Society of MGX Podcast, MGXP. You can send us a message on Anchor. Let us know how much you love Madonna, the Black Rose, Mannix. Anyway, if you do like us a little bit, please leave us a five star review. We'll be super grateful. And um, yeah, see you next time for C. I'll wait. Can I wait? No, I can't. Yahoo! <laughs> That's all right.